0: You can open your Bible if you want to follow. All the scriptures will be on the screen. But the first scripture we're going to look at is 1 John 4.16. Let me pray just a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that the Holy Spirit now will do his work in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 John 4.16, I want you to look at those words. And I want to ask you if it's true of you. It says, and we have known and believed the love God has for us. Now, I want you to think about that. We not only know, but we believe the love that God has for us. God is love. He who abides in love. Now, wait a minute. Go back. God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love. Abides in God. And God in him. Boy, I tell you it's one thing. When you not only know that God is love. But it's when you believe that God is love. Did you know? In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 12, that it tells us that the key to being filled with the fullness of God is to know how much God loves you. The key to being filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter 3. It says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but read on. But I press toward the mark of the call of the high calling, of God. Let me let me look that up. Ephesians three twelve. I don't believe that's right. Hold on just a minute. It talks about the way to to know the fullness of God is to be sure that you know how much He loves you. So I'm in Ephesians chapter three and um, and at verse twelve. You know what? I think I've got the wrong chapter, and that's not the first time, but now, maybe it's 317 through 19. Let me see that, yeah. Yeah, it is. That, that, that's what it is. I'm glad y'all found that out. I mean, you needed to know where it's at. See, what I'm saying is, if you know and believe that God has for you, love God has for you, that then you will be able, once you grasp it, to be filled with the fullness of God. And so Ephesians 3.17 says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now listen to this, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Jesus feels at home in your heart by faith and you know his love and you're rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to understand or comprehend With all saints, now he's talking about the love of God. With all saints, what is the width, length, depth, and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now get this, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. You see, Brother Fred, I thought being filled with the Holy Spirit's being filled with the fullness of God. Yeah, that's true. But when you know the breadth, length, depth, and height of the love of Christ, when you understand that, the Bible says you will be filled with the fullness of God. You know, I've just been meditating the last few days on God's love for us. I guess what made me think about it was, uh, you know, we just celebrated two of God's greatest gifts to us. On Good Friday, we celebrated... God's great gift of love when Jesus went to the cross. And and we think about what an awesome expression of God himself. When God so loved us that he gave his son who went to the cross, took our punishment and our wrath so that we could be saved. You You know, the love of God is amazing. God is love. He is love. And that great expression of his love was seen on the cross. But then I got to thinking about uh, the resurrection. What a great expression that is of the love of God. You see, Jesus not only went to the cross and died for us. God was showing his nature. God is love. But then God raised him from the dead so that his son could come and live inside of us. And we wouldn't have to live in our own power. Jesus could come in the person of the Holy Spirit. And you talk about a gift of love. It's the resurrection of Christ. That he could come and live in us by the Holy Spirit. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, it says some things about uh, God's love. 4.16 says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Well, 1 John 4.8. If you want to turn to that, 1 John chapter 4, 8, it talks about uh, the love of God. And it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. Now underline these last three words, four words. For God is love. Now you've got to remember, he didn't say God has love. He didn't say that. He says God love is love, not has. That's the nature of God. That's the character of God. That's who God is. And then he said it again over in verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. And then he says it. God is love. Folks, what is God like? What's the heart of God? What's the nature of God? What's the being of God? Oh, I know he's creator of all things. I know that. I know he's all powerful and all knowing and all seeing and ever present. And I know that as we sang early, he, earlier, he is holy, holy, holy. But I'm telling you over and over again, the message of the New Testament is God is love. And God has expressed that love to us over the years, time after time, after time. Now, you know, in the Bible, there are three words for love. There's the word phileo, which is the love between friends. And you say, well, I phileo you. Well, I mean, you have love between two friends. And then there's the word for love called eros. It's the physical love between a man and a woman. Well, I love you. I physically love you. But then there's agape. That's the love of God. And agape is that God always, listen carefully, wants the highest and the best for you. When I say to you, I want you to know one thing. God is love. And God loves you. You know what I'm saying to you? God wants the highest and the best for you. God is never out to hurt you. God is always out to help you. Now you've got to understand, the devil has lied about who God is. He's lied about the nature of God. He's lied about the character of God. But I want to say to you, the Word of God says that God is agape. He is love. And you can rest assured that God always wants what's highest and best for you. And he's never out to hurt you. He's always out to help you. Or oh, even when he chastens his children. Even when he corrects us, it's so that might—it's for our good that we might be partakers of his holiness and may be the kind of person that God created us to be. You know, the Bible tells us, and this, this is hard for some of you to comprehend because of the way you were raised and the way you lived, but I want you to listen to it. In 1 John 4, it not only talks about the nature and character of God he has loved, But it tells us that God's love is unconditional, that he loves you unconditionally. Look at 1 John 4, verse 10, and it tells you that it's unconditional. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now, wait a minute. Before we ever loved God, God loved us. It says, here is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the substitute for our sins. You know, it's hard to believe that someone could love you unconditionally. And that means this, there's nothing you can do to make them love you more, but there's nothing you can do to make them love you less. Their love for you is unconditional. It's not based on your performance. You know the tragedy of our society? We live in a culture that is based on performance. And it is a tragedy. It goes like this. You think about it now. This can be true in a family where there's a father and a mother and children. This can be true at school in a classroom. It can be true in business or society. It's all like this. In athletics, here it is. Performance. If you perform right, if you perform right, I'll accept you. And if I accept you, then that means I love you. And if I accept you and love you, that means you have value. Do you understand how warped that is? They're saying, well, my love and acceptance for you is based on your performance. And by the way, your value is based on your performance. That's all about works. It's all about what you can do in the power of your own flesh. You know know why you have value to God? You know why? God doesn't look at you and say, now listen, if you perform right, I'm going to accept you. And if I accept you, then you know I love you. And if I love you, then you know you have value. You, you know why you have value? If you never perform right, God, God loves you. If you never perform right, God loves you. And, and if you never perform right, God you have value to God. You know why? Because I'm going to mention this later in this message. Because God created you in his image. Oh, yeah. You're not an accident. You just didn't appear on the stage of history. Listen, the Bible says that God created you in his image. And after his likeness. And your value to God is he created the animals, yes. And they were good. But then he created man and woman. And he said they are very good. Because they were created in the image of God. And so I want you to know that God loves you. Because you're the crown of his creation. He created you in his image. And he loves you unconditionally. Now, you can please God by things you do. But that in no way determines his love. He loves you unconditionally. Now, you say, Brother Fred, that that can be dangerous. People can say, well, I can live any way I want to live and God still loves me. Well, the truth is, you can live any way you want to live and God still loves you. Oh, yeah. But let me tell you what the Bible says to show you that God's love for you is unconditional. In Romans chapter 5, I want you to listen to what it says. In Romans 5, 6, now does this sound like unconditional love? For when we were still, Romans 5, 6, for when we were still without strength, we couldn't do it ourselves. Hey, let me tell you a problem. If you think you can do it yourself... You can't do it. But it says here, when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That sounds like unconditional love for me. We were without strength. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't deliver ourselves. So Christ died for the ungodly. All right, look at verse um, 8. This is talking about God's unconditional love. God demonstrates his love toward us. Well, how did God show his love for us? How did God show his love for us? God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, oh, we were still living for ourselves, We were still going our own way. We were still in rebellion. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't see you at your best and go to the cross and die for you. Jesus saw you at your absolute worst, the worst sin you could have ever committed. Jesus saw you at your worst and went to the cross and died in your place. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But look on down in verse 10. Man, it, it gets stronger. If when we were enemies, because we disobeyed God, we lived for ourselves, we went our own way, we were in rebellion. It says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. God didn't say, you're my friend. I'm going to reconcile. You know, we were his enemy. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we understand two things about God. God is love. That's his nature. That's his character. That's who he is. He not only has love, but he is love. And the love is he always desires what's highest and best for us. You don't ever have to worry about God. He always desires what's highest and best for you. Now, what a contrast between God and the devil. Satan came to steal kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so you see the tremendous uh, opposite between the two. But God's love for us is absolutely unconditional. It is not based on our performance. It's not. And if you never perform right, You may die without Christ and go into eternity lost. But it doesn't mean that God didn't love you. Because He did. You just didn't receive His love. You rejected His love. You know, I got to thinking about, uh, I thought about the cross and about the resurrection. Then I began to think about God's love gift to us. How God gives us love gift. He just, God's love gifts to us you you know one of the greatest love gifts that God ever gave you was when he created you in his image I want you to understand you know God created all the animals you know and he said that's good but he said to uh, he and Jesus and the Holy Spirit had a conference and said no we need to go another step further and so God, they said, and will let us make man and woman in our image. The animals aren't created in the image of God. You are. And let us create male and female in our image. In Genesis one twenty six, God said, and let us create man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, over cattle, the birds, and everything that creeps. Everything. Now, look, you say, well, Brother Fred, you know, I, I really wasn't wanted by mother and dad. They, they felt like I was a burden. You know, I never really did feel accepted when I was growing up. It's just like, you know, I'm, I could tag along. But I never felt really loved. I never really felt special. I, I never was affirmed as to my value and worth as a human being. Most of us were not raised in that kind of atmosphere, but there are plenty of people that are. We had a mother and father that loved us and poured their life into us. And man, we knew how how we were loved, that we knew it. But you know, the thing that you've got to understand, God's one of God's greatest love gifts to you was when he created you in his image. And you know, he had a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. Did you know that? It wasn't to get up and to eat and work and sleep and die. He had a purpose for you. And you know what that was? Let's create man and woman in our image. You were created to extend the life of God in his image. God said, I'm going to create Bill or Sue or Jim or Jane, and they're going to to extend my life. We were created to extend the life of God. Wherever we went, God's life would be expressed. But then secondly, it says, let's create them in our likeness. Think about it. God said, I'm going to create you in my image. And now I'm going to create you in my likeness. And that means you were to express the character of God. You were to be Godlike. You talk about when you got purpose. Hey, man, I'm not just existing. I'm just not living till I die. I've got a purpose. God created me to extend his life, and God had created me to express his character, to let the world know what kind of God he is. And he says, and let them have dominion. You are created to exhibit God's power. Man, that is awesome. What a gift of God's love. And I'm going to tell you when God created you, he didn't create a bunch of junk. I mean, I'm telling you, he had a purpose for you. And the great gift of God's love to us is You know, God, I got up this morning, and you created me in your image. And I have a chance today to just be an extension of your life, an expression of your character, and an exhibit of your power. You see, the great love gift from God is that he created us in his image. You know, but not only that, that he created us in his image. But another great love gift from God is uh, that even when Adam and them sinned, that he never stopped loving them. You see, he created us in his image, but in love, he reached out to Adam and to us even after we sinned. You know, God, there, were, there was Adam and Eve, two perfect people in a perfect garden. Have you ever thought about how the human race would be? if adam hadn't sinned think of the power of the mind of adam the mind his powerful mind before he sinned think of the power of his soul his emotions and his will before he sinned think of the power in adam's spirit can you imagine what this world would be like if all of God's creation had not sinned and everybody was extending God's life and expressing God's character and exhibiting God's power, it'd be heaven on earth. And now instead, instead, instead of heaven on earth, it's hell on earth. Because when man sinned, the image of God in man was marred. It was marred. And Adam was no longer Mentally what he should be. And no longer emotionally what he would be. But I'm going to tell you about God. That this is a great love gift. Even after Adam and Eve blew it. And they sinned. And we all are still suffering the consequences. Because we got from, nature, from Adam the nature of sin. And we too are sinners by nature and by choice. But I'm going to tell you this about God. He never stopped loving Adam. And he never stopped seeking him he never stopped seeking him you remember what the first thing that happened after adam sinned adam realized he was naked he and eve and they said well, we got to do something to cover up our guilt and shame and they made a garment out of fig leaves and it was it was afternoon and god always came and walked with adam and eve in the, in the cool of the day and so here they were they had sinned they knew it they'd seen their nakedness They made fig leaves to cover their guilt and shame. And so what they do is they go and crouch down behind some trees, hiding from God. I got good news for you. There's no tree that will hide you from God. (laughs) I don't know what tree you're hiding behind, but you might as well get out of it. But do you remember? God came with compassion and love, and this is what said, Adam, where are you? You always waiting on me. I always could embrace you and show my love. To Adam, well, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And Adam said, we're hiding behind these trees. He said, you know, Adam, you've sinned, haven't you? And now you know your shame and your guilt. Well, what did God do? Well, that, there were consequences. But I'll tell you what God did. He knew that uh, they had sinned. And in the eternity, when Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit had a conference, they knew that man would sin. And so Jesus is called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's what he's called in the Bible. There was a cross in heaven before there was ever a cross on earth. There was a lamb slain in heaven before there was ever a lamb slain on earth. And so what God did Killed an animal and he made clothes, garments for Adam and Eve uh, out of the skin of the animals. You see, God created them in, in, in his image. That was a gift of love. But even after they sinned, God still loved them and he still went after them. He sought for them and he still provided a sacrifice for them. And let me tell you the great gift of the love of God is I'm telling you that if you are a child of God, praise God, but if you're not a child of God, let me tell you something. God is seeking you. He is after you, and he's going to keep seeking you, and his heart is that you will repent and come to him because I am telling you, you say, well, no, God's given up on me. No, he hasn't. He has not. He's not given up on you. That's a lie. That's what the devil wants you to think. Listen to what Jesus said. I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. He said, that's why I came. Matthew 18, I think, verse 16. He said, I've come to seek. Listen, he's still seeking people. Listen, you think that God has written off those people that spent the night in the bar last night? Jesus came and died for those people. And he's still seeking them. He wants them to be saved. You may give up on them, but praise God, God hadn't give up on them. It's easy to judge them, but it's another thing to love them with the love of God. And see, the great gift of God's love is that he created us in his image, and even when we sinned and went our own way, God did not give up on us. He came looking for Adam, and even this morning he is seeking Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. He comes to us in our sin to bring us out. You know, but there's another thing, uh, the gift of God's love. God is love, y'all. He loves you unconditionally. The way you, he gave you the greatest gift he could give you. He created you in his image. And his love is, is revealed to you even though you've sinned and gone your own way. God hasn't given up on you and he still loves you and he's still seeking you. But you know, here's the thing. The greatest expression of God's love, God's greatest love gift, was when Jesus died on the cross. That, that's the whole gospel. You know, there was a guy standing outside of a pavilion in in, in Canada, and there was some kind of big program going on, and everybody that came in, he was giving them kind of like an English walnut. It was about that big around, you know, and the only thing about it, he would hollowed it out, and in there, he'd put a little piece of paper with a scripture on it, and people would come and say, I'd like to give you the gospel in a nutshell. And you know what it was? For God so loved the world that he gave, think about a gift of love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Tim Tebow was one of my heroes, not because he was such a great football player, because he was a man of God, amen? <laughs> you remember when he put those things, those verses of scripture under his eye? <laughs> he put under both eyes John 3.16. I think they had about 50 million people going to the computer to find out what John 3.16 was. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Then they got upset and told him, you're not supposed to put things under your eyes. You know, they hate, the, they hate the light, don't they? They love the darkness, but hate the light. But praise God, it never slowed him down. But you know, you've got to understand that the cross is the greatest expression of God. That's the greatest love gift that God ever gave. And it was for you. It was personal. It was personal. But I want you to notice this this hit me. We know that the cross Jesus took our punishment for our sin and, our, and the wrath of God, but man, I saw this in, 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 in 1 first John four there, and man, it hit me. I said, why have you overlooked that? And it's first John four, and it's um verse nine. And I want to show you the last phrase on this. It says, in this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. Now, I want you to look at those last verses. That we might live through him. Oh, Brother Fred, I thought God sent his son into the world to shed his precious blood so that our sins could be forgiven. He did. I thought God sent His Son into the world so that we could, be, our wrath would be taken and we wouldn't have to die and go to hell. He did, but oh no, you missed something. That's out in the future. He says that we. He says He sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Oh Jesus came so you could live now. Hey hallelujah! Well, listen, some people's idea about Christianity is. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I trust him as my Lord and Savior. I live my life the way I want to live the rest of my life. And one day I go to heaven. Hello? That's not right. Jesus came and died so that we could live right now. Hallelujah. We could live right now through him. You can live through him right now. Praise God. Eternal life's not going to happen when I get to heaven. Eternal life begins the day Jesus comes to live in your heart. And he came and died on the cross so you could live right now through him. You can live now through him. boy. Ephesians chapter 2, man, you're talking about great verses. Whew. You know, the more that I read the Bible, the more I believe it. Amen. I tell you the truth, it's the greatest book ever written. Woo! You read it and you just get all excited. You know it? I said, praise God, it gets better every time. In Ephesians 2, listen to what it says. See, Jesus died. The gift of the cross is that we might live through him, that we might live through him. So in Ephesians 2, verse 1, listen to what it says. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin." Here I was, dead in trespasses and sin. But Jesus made us, God made us alive. You, He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. He said, In times past, you walked according to the course of this world. You just lived like everybody else lived. You lived according to the prince of the power of the air. The devil had you like a puppet on a string and he would just jerk the string. You see, you live like the world live and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. But among, among whom we conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh, we were just living for ourselves. And by nature, the children of wrath, even as others, but, we look at verse four. But God, who was rich in mercy, Because of his great love with which he loved us. Can I just pause a moment? God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, man. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Do you understand that? He's rich in mercy. Because of his great love. His great love with which he loved you. Forget about everybody else in here. The great love with which he loved you. He said, but brother Fred, I'm not very lovable. None of us were. That's why while we were still sinners, he died for us. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead in trespasses and sin made you alive together with Christ. The greatest day in my life was when Jesus came into my heart and I became alive spiritually. All I was was physically alive. I was eating and breathing and living for myself. But Jesus Christ came into my heart and I went from death to life and he gave me life. And that's where life is. And without Jesus, there's no life. None. Zero. Jesus came and died that we might live, that we might live, that we might live through him. What a great gift of God's love. But you know, I've talked about the gift of God's love as he created us in his image. The gift of God's love is that even when we sinned, he never stopped loving us, never stopped pursuing us. Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. And another great gift of His love is the cross where Jesus came and died so that we could live, have life through Him. And that's the only place you're going to find life. It's in Christ. But then, another great gift of God's love is in love through Christ. God birthed you into His family. Did you know that uh, when you became a Christian, If you have, that you became a child of God. We used to sing that song, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. With Jesus my savior, I'm a child of the king. Somebody says, who is your father? You said, you don't know how rich my father is. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He does. Oh yeah, he has all power in heaven and earth. All the nations are dropping the bucket to him. Really? Well, who is your father? Yahweh, Jehovah. God is my Father, and Jesus is my Savior. And I am God's Son, or I am God's daughter. I am in God's family. You talk about a love gift. You know what John said in chapter 3, verse 1? Behold, what great love God has given us, that we should be called the children of God. Think about that. Before you're saved, you're a child of the devil. Well, that offends me. Well, what's it going to offend you, to hell number two? I mean, come on. Before you were saved, you were a child of the devil. Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees, you're of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning and he's a liar now. But man, when Jesus Christ comes to live in us, the Bible says what manner of love God has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And beloved, it says now, now we are the children of God. Did you get up this morning and think, well, praise God, listen. The world doesn't understand. They think Christians just got to have a crutch. You know, they got to have that strong. No, they don't understand. We have strength because we're in a great family. God is our father. Jesus is our savior. Holy Spirit is our comforter. And we are members of God's family. And one day, we're all going to be together forever in a place called heaven. Oh, what they're missing. They're in the wrong family. They need to be in God's family. And that's what God's love does. It makes it possible for you to be in God's family. Woo! I'm a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. What a great gift from God's love. The Bible says we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but we were born of God. As many as received him, to them gave he power First John, I mean John 1, to become children of God. Well, here's the last thing. You say, well, we, we're doing pretty good. We may get out by 1 o'clock. You're right. <laughs> now we're close. God is love, y'all. That's who he is. He loves you unconditionally. And even when you sinned, he didn't stop loving you. He's still pursuing you. He's still chasing you. He's still seeking you. He's come to seek and to save those that are lost. And the awesome thing that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only saved you from your sin, but he came to give you life. And the Bible says that we might live through him. And life is in Jesus. It's abundant life. But here, here's the main thing. And that is this. In God's late, great love gift is that he comes to live inside of us by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says, repent and be baptized, one, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, as long as Jesus was on earth, even though he was 100% man, the Son of Man, without sin, And 100% God, perfect deity, he laid aside his deity and lived on earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit. He could only be in one place at one time. Now, after the resurrection, some things changed. But up until then, so Jesus said to his disciples, it's very important to you that I go away. They said, don't hand me that stuff. I've been following you for three years and you tell me it's to my advantage that you go away? He said, yeah, because listen, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. But if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come to live in you and wherever you go, I'm going to be right there inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard about the prisoners of war? How they would be confined for five or six years? Tortured? But I've heard story after story of how that in that cell, there was the presence of Jesus. And Christ lived in them. And no matter what hell they went through, he was there. He lived in them. He was their comforter. He was their strength. And they made it through because they weren't in that cell alone. The presence of Jesus was in them. Boy, I never will forget uh, Dave's good friend, uh, Don Stanley, he was in solitary confinement and had an old Gideon New Testament. And if I remember correctly, he began to read it. But you know what? God showed up in that cell. And the Holy Spirit, he can go through jail doors. Do you know that? And oh, he was saved right there and he was on fire. I remember when they, he spoke at uh, Cottage Hill Baptist Church and Dave was with him. He's the only guy that could preach a 30-minute sermon in 15 minutes. I mean, he's like a machine gun. Now, Dave's a little slower but louder. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. You know God's greatest gift? And that Jesus has come to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. I don't care what you go, where you go, or what you face. If you are a child of God, Jesus Christ is living in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And wherever you go, he's in you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And I am telling you, you talk about great love to know that I'll never be alone now or forever because the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Wow! What a a love gift from God. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can say with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ, but Christ lives in me. And I live by His faith and not by my faith. What a great, great love gift. The presence of Jesus Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. He's in me, who strengthens me. Now, here's the problem. What are you going to do about God's love? Are you going to reject it? Are you going to receive it? He won't force his love on you. Oh, he loves you, but he won't force it. See, you either going to receive the love of God by repentance of your sin and faith in Jesus Christ, Are you going to reject his love? And that's a bad place to live and a bad place to be and a bad place to go. So the question is not does God love you. He loves you as much as anybody on the face of this earth. But what will you do about his love? Well, I just think I'll live for myself the rest of my life. You know, you can do that. Oh, you can. But you're going to miss life. You'll miss life. You'll just miss it completely or you can receive the love of God by saying God be merciful to me a sinner. God be merciful to me a sinner. And I repent, Lord. I realize I've rebelled against you and I've sinned against your love and I've sinned against your grace and I've sinned against your mercy, but you still love me. And I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. I, don't want to, I, I, I do not want to keep living the way I'm living. I repent. So I change directions and I'm going to live a new way, a new life in Jesus Christ. You repent of your sin and place your life in the hands of Jesus. And friend, you can just live in the lavished love of God. But I want to ask you something. And I'm asking myself this question. You're a Christian. But I want to ask you something. Do you love Jesus more today than you've ever loved him? You know the first church, the church at Ephesus, Jesus said some great things about them. It was the first church. And he said, he talked about how wonderful they were and how they believed right and how they had been light and been salt. But then he said, I just have one thing against you. These were believers. He said, you've left your first love. Woo. You know what happens to many Christians? The cares of this world, the cares of this world begin to cause the love of Jesus, their love for Jesus to wane. It's not long till the pleasures of this world begin to draw the affection of the child of God. And and, 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 and the pleasures of this world and they find out that uh, they used to love his word but not anymore and they used to love to talk to him but it's just not that important to him anymore and they used to love, love to come to God's house and just be with God's people but you know that is kind of boring to them now you know I want to ask you something let's don't be like the church at Ephesus They started well. Don't you be like any of those Ephesian Christians. Don't leave your first love. Don't do it. If you have, right now you just repent and say, God, there was a time when I loved you more. There was a time when you were more important in my life. There was a time when you were the center of my life. There was a time when following you was the most important thing to me. But God, I've let the cares of this world and the affections of this world quench my love. And Lord, I've left my first love. But oh God, I repent. I repent. And I love you because you first loved me. I love you because you first loved me. God, restore the first love in my heart. Under God, under God pleased you're miserable when you leave your first love you're miserable and the only way is just to repent and ask God to forgive you as his child and to restore the first love that you have for Jesus and he will he will that could be the very reason God had me speak on this today that you would be reminded oh there was a time when I really loved him but you know I don't know what's happened to me But it's not that way anymore. But I'm tired of that. I don't want to endure the Christian life. I want to enjoy the Christian life. I don't want to just live. I want to live abundantly. Well, return. Return to your first love.